Welcome to the Weekly Hook. Normally, this is a podcast where one of us knows what's coming and the other one has no idea. But this thing we're going to talk about was so good that we just had to come together ahead of time and plan our discussion about this. And that thing is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Is that what it's called? Crap, I already messed it up. Yes, Did I mess it, it up? Yes, it is. It is. No, 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 okay, no, good. no. You nailed it. <laughs> Oh, so good at this. Um, I don't know where to go from there. How are you feeling, Chris? <laughs> I'm feeling very, very good. Uh, it is very hot where and humid where I am right now. But, uh, you know. Who would have thought gotta, the middle of the Sahara in summer? Just so hot and humid. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> For right. everyone who's, uh, who's wondering, Chris is backpacking through Chad at the moment in the mm-hmm. middle of the Sahara Desert. So yeah. keep on going, Chris thanks thanks but i did take some time i'm in an internet cafe somewhere uh just so we can record so the commitment um, the commitment yeah. is just so real we love it it's a digital oasis so here we are how are you doing i'm doing great and i'm happy that we're here talking today and if you the listener want to exhibit the same amount of commitment or just a little bit less than chris is to this podcast <laughs> Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and just rate and review, share the podcast, share it around. And I don't know where else to go with that, but I will say (laughs) I never found the right band, so I started my own. Nice. Yeah. I thought you were going to do without further ado. Uh, but not this time. I meant uh, to, but I think it, I had two quotes <laughs> prepped and yeah. I just completely messed up the beginning, the whole thing. Cause I didn't even say where your hookers. I'm just like, what? Yeah. This movie's just so good that I just kind of right. threw caution to the wind and just ran head first without planning about what we're going to talk about or how I'm going to intro this podcast today. Amazing. Amazing. So without uh, further but- ado, <laughs> Bad things are going to happen. It makes us who we are. Very true. Um, We hit all the checkboxes. Now we can continue. (laughs) We've done all the canon events. And uh, now what's... How did you go into this movie? Because obviously we both liked Into the Spider-Verse quite a lot. Um, I think it was my third favorite movie of the 2010s. If I remember correctly, I don't know how it ranked for you, but I love the first one. And I was, I don't know, I had a lot of emotions going into this movie. I felt, you know, I wanted to kind of, um, keep my expectations low, but at the same time, obviously hoping it would come close to the first movie. And uh, I was very quickly reassured that this is, and I, I'm, I know this is a lot, at least as good as the first movie in my mind. What, I've only seen it once though, so uh, time will tell. But Rashad, what was your experience like, I, don't, I guess, going into this movie, seeing it? Yeah, so I guess, you know, I had very high expectations going into the film. I'm not as wary as you about managing expectations. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it it exceeded the expectations that I had. This is a great movie and one of the few times where a sequel not only, you know, can like 
meet expectations of the first film, but also exceed the expectations. Not to say it exceeded the first film itself. Uh, I think that the first film, I would say, is still slightly better, but this film just blew me away. The risks that they, the the creators took, the the audacity of the filmmaking, the it was an absolute ride. It just like it, you felt in the movie that you were going on a roller coaster and you came out of it just on cloud nine. Just I I, I remember mm. feeling coming out of the film the first time I watched it. I've seen it a couple times now, but the first time. Just like I kind of felt slightly lightheaded, you know, walking <laughs> like as if yeah. I was uh, slightly hovering above the earth as I was as I was going. It was yes. it was just like so much of a ride, incredible. Um, you just from beginning to end, there's it, it's is why we come to the movies. Is movies like this, and it's incredible. Yes. It's so worth it. I am just really happy that this movie exists, and the fact that it was a surprise, at least to me, that there was going to be a second part. So the cliffhanger was a surprise. How it ended, the whole thing, just. Wow. I'm just so happy. Okay, amazing. I was going to ask you that, uh, but you just answered it. So you didn't know either that, that it's like part one of a two-parter. That's good. Because I obviously, I didn't know anything about this movie. I didn't see the trailers, even though it played in front of another movie I saw a few months ago. And I did my very best. I closed my eyes. I tried to think about things. And like I didn't like close my ears, but I was very close to it. And uh, I didn't really, I didn't get spoiled at all. I didn't know that this is a two-parter and you didn't either from what you just said. So yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a surprise and you know, my, my watching experience was, um, I was preparing for the worst because I was there in the cinema on, I think a Monday afternoon and I was like, Oh great. I'm like here by myself. This is going to be amazing. And then just before the movie starts, Uh, this mother with two young boys comes walking in. I'm like, no, why are you doing this to me? And But it was fine. It was fine. The uh, children actually. hate continues. <laughs> Always. It will never end. It is, it is uh, a core memory of my uh, identity now. Or a Not canon a event. Memory, but that's a canon <laughs> event in, in my life, for sure. Um, no, but it was all good. Uh, but they were aghast when I was like, oh, this is uh, part one. Uh, see you again uh, for part two. And they were like still throwing a fit as I was leaving uh, the cinema. Yeah, I don't blame them. The cinemas I was in was quite raucous as well, um, mm -hmm. both with children and adults. And the... <laughs> in a cinema reaction to the end of the film was quite uh, verbose. However, is that the right <laughs> nice. word here? But yes, it was, it was, it was really sure. great. It was just so, uh, it's, you know, when you go to a film, sometimes you feel the energy of the crowd and that's the fun part mm -hmm. for me. I don't want to say talk for the both yeah. of us, for me, <laughs> of going to movies. And it was just such an incredible ride. And that's, I guess, What I have to say, I don't really have some negative, mm. much negative to say. I think mm -hmm. the animation of the film just took even more risks than the first film. I mean, many more yeah. risks of the first film. The undertaking is even bigger as well. Just the scope of it. Uh, I think that maybe led to a little bit extra fluff, a little bit mm -hmm. than the first yeah. film, because the first film was such a tight movie in terms of its, its character arcs. It's, there's nothing, there's no fat on the edges of the first film. This mm -hmm. film doesn't have much. It has some stuff. 
And there's like, there's always the little bit of questions about canon events and it's, it's pseudo adjacent to timeline, time travel and stuff like that in terms of what does that mean? If things, certain things happen, things don't happen. How does that affect stuff? What is it? When is it true? When is it not true? Like all these are little different things. Um, but in terms of like the movie, in terms of my enjoyment of it, in terms of my like love for what this thing is and all the things that they thought of uh just yeah no complaints nice yeah i think there were a few scenes where i thought okay this is literally just to show off their like uh i don't know their image prowess their artistic prowess and it's like we didn't really need this but i i still enjoy it a lot and i don't know just the art styles as you said they went even further then in the first one obviously starting out strong with things like the renaissance vulture and like the fucking watercolors in gwen's world it's just so gorgeous and i just loved every era. it was i was it was so dazzling it was so beautiful that shot when she hugs her father and the oh colors of that scene just how it pauses there for a moment in such a fast-paced movie Ooh, mm. that just like closing mm-hmm. my eyes and imagining that just really you know just encapsulates the art of this film for sure and it's very interesting this movie because it has it has basically two protagonists and two antagonists and i really love that parallel yeah uh, and with, i really like you know, the sandwiching of gwen's story with mm-hmm. miles morales's story and in, in the sense of this is her journey i guess if you talk about who is what's the main character arc and the quote-unquote protagonist of the show yes to a certain extent there is two but it is really gwen pushing everything that's happening in this and she's the one who goes on quote-unquote the hero's journey from beginning to end of this movie she has a full arc miles does not his arc is going to be the one that spans the two movies i would imagine and it's hers this is her story yep and I'm loving it because I've already I already loved her in the first movie, and uh, yeah, so I was super super happy to see her again and play an even bigger role, and be introduced into her world, which was so good. And then obviously we have uh, you know Miles as well dealing with his stuff in his world, and um, the responsibilities of being Spider Man. But also, you know, kind of it's negative as as work does sometimes it negatively impacts your private life, uh, and it does so <laughs> with his parents in particular. And I am a little bit worried about her, uh, his mother, the way they've set her up. I feel like maybe something's going to happen to her that's going to be uh, like the big event next next in the next movie but um yeah i just loved all of that as well and just like the intermingling i'm usually and i think this is um kind of um so special because i hate all of this parallel universe stuff i hate it so much like time travel multiverse i never liked that except for uh you know into the spider-verse and of course we had everything everywhere all at once but like those are two uh, I think maybe the only two examples in which I just I can get over it, but usually that just gets me out of movies or any other media immediately. That makes total sense. I mean, it is really hard to pull off. You have to also exhibit such a high level of creativity to make it worth it in a way. Mm-hmm. And then also it feels like you're 
artificially often extending the consequences. It's like, oh, the world's going to end. Okay, that's not big enough anymore. The universe is going to end. No, that's not big enough anymore. <laughs> exactly. The multiverse has to end. And yep. I think that is just so uh, constructed or feels so manipulative in a way um, when it's in lesser hands. But what's the beauty of this film is that it simultaneously is able to ground Spider-Man as that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and talking about his own personal journey and how he's, he stops mm. to, you know, stop a Nike like shoe thief and like, you know, and how that impacts <laughs> his relationship with his family. And then in the grand scheme of everything, in the face of the, the grand destruction of the multiverse, this is about this one uh, child, not child, I guess teenagers relationship to his parents and wanting to save one person. Mm. And it, gr- it's a, a, yeah, it just grounds that in a way that these other examples of multiversal doomsday stories, just it's too big to relate to and it's unnecessary. Yeah, for sure. Oh, too often it's just lazy and it doesn't really make sense, but they nail it here. Um, I, I did think though with this, like, is it the spider society? I don't know, like the League of Spider People or whatever they're called. Uh, it's like, okay, so it's all well and good that they're working in this institution, but who's saving their world if they're off doing this thing? <laughs> it's like, uh, are because they make a point, it's like thousands of spider people. And it's like, okay, so there are thousands of universes that are unprotected now because they're there. I don't know. I don't know. They don't really mention that, but um, still, I enjoyed that whole bit a lot as well my understanding is that they go from they stay there then they go to their home world whenever there's a trouble that comes up basically and maybe they have lost some of the grounded life which is what makes them detached to the realities that miles morales is facing and the the, Mm -hmm. that trauma and maybe that's the negative aspect of being Spider-Man in such a multiversal society where they only go back when it's a big event or whatever that may be. And that's kind of like the monitoring service that that AI mm-hmm. that Miguel O'Hara has next to him uh, is, is dealing with or managing. Yeah. And speaking of Miguel O'Hara, he is one of our two antagonists. Very, very interesting. Um, obviously, has a tragic backstory because he is Spider-Man. And he first discovered the multiverses and to his detriment, to everyone's detriment, basically. And a very, like, the pained, the tortured soul who is then becoming, like, a tyrannical overlord, basically trying to protect everything and everyone and gets this whole framework uh, of the canon events that he himself, only he, has decided on. And they need to, they're basically sacrosanct. And it's very interesting. Uh, I think he's a really good antagonist. I, I think I said that recently in, an, in another podcast episode we did uh, about like um, voice acting and like the, the people they chose. And for me, even though I love Miguel and I love, love, love Oscar Isaac, it did take me out of it a little bit. Uh, to hear him there even though i don't know that's definitely on me not on the movie but it there were one or two scenes where it's like oh yeah it is i can just see oscar isaac here it's kind of funny because it took me a while to even realize it was oscar isaac i was just a little bit behind (laughs) on that i just don't have very good facial or vocal recognition facilities one thing about miguel i think is is such an interesting 
antagonist because what I expect is going to happen in the next film is that he is actually an unreliable narrator in his own perspective in the sense that I love a, a villain who is not just all bad, all bad. You can't relate to him, this big bad, but instead it's a person who you can kind of relate to and see their perspective and then really understand how they were just misguided in the, in the way that they saw things. And that way of setting up Miguel as this big bad or this villain in this movie, I think was just so smart. And I think it was really well done. Although like from the very first moment you saw him, you could easily see that he was going to be the villain. I think that was not a surprise. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the things in the film weren't about the surprises that came. They were more about the execution of the things that we saw coming. And for that, give them all like the props they deserve. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I just loved his introduction as well. And uh, and like his interactions, especially with Peter B. Parker, were hilarious and the baby. Um, and yeah, I, I totally agree. I think they wrote him really well. I could always see where he was coming from. And uh, those are the best kinds of villains. Well, yeah, especially when I think the, the the specific note about him being unreliable in his own narration or his under, understanding of what a canon event is mm. in the world and what caused the the um, the collapse in his universe, I suspect, I'm not sure, obviously, that he doesn't understand things the right way. So the way that things will get resolved, as I would imagine, would be him coming to a better understanding as opposed to, oh, just Miles being able to beat him up because he's stronger or because he has a he (laughs) you know he's right and he's wrong that kind of black and white narrative within this universe just makes so much sense especially because something the way they constructed this whole spider society is that it's in miguel o'hara's vision and that in itself is Mm -hmm. a flawed construction of an organization that is meant to protect but then is led astray because of a uh, because of a fundamental misunderstanding of how the multiverse works Oh yeah, for sure. So um yeah, I'm just gonna be very curious what they're gonna do with him specifically. Um but yeah, they've set him up really well. As they did with the second antagonist, Spot, who apparently we've seen in the previous movie. Uh and uh, you know, <laughs> Miles threw a donut at him. If we get we get to know, and he was in the in the like large hadron collider basically, uh as shit got real and now he is spot. Uh, and I really liked his introduction. You know, they literally call him out, call it out as like, oh, he's just another villain of the week, um, which would have made sense from a like from the perspective of like, OK, we're just going to reintroduce Miles and his powers and how he does things. But no, he, Spot, there's more to Spot than uh, we first think. And that certainly um, to what Miles thinks. And then he just keeps coming back and he keeps getting stronger and very interesting. A little bit of a spatial uh, fuck up, <laughs> but very imaginative. I really like that. Um, and also beautifully voiced. Um, so yeah, really interesting what he's doing. Yeah, a great performance by Jason Schwartman as his voice actor. I think it is so funny, his introduction, just him... Mm-hmm. <laughs> basically trying to convince the bodega owner that he is not robbing him. And that just is just <laughs> really funny to me. Uh, and this whole uh, 
you know, intro scene. I just like the creativity of having the multi, the holes or the spots, I guess. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I like the, so Miles Morales tells him you're a villain of the week, kind of as an offhanded comment, right? And the spot takes that very personally and takes that with him as he becomes this big multi-villain threat and he doesn't want to be that. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. good way of showing how our side comments and what we accidentally say sometimes can really impact those around us. And I found that to be a really nice way of going about, I don't know, just like, it's a really cool, like even an interpersonal relationship. And I wonder, and I'm worried that they're going to try and solve it just as easily as they built up this antagonism between the two in the third Mm -hmm. film. But all in all, I think it was for this film and for what we saw and incredible depiction of a villain. And also visually he becomes much more menacing as you go along. And Mm -hmm. one of those final scenes, you just can see how imposing he becomes. Yeah, for sure. It was very, I thought there were a few things in this movie that reminded me a lot of like anime tropes and just like, one of the bad guys just evolving over and over. It's like the Dragon Ball Z thing of like every villain has three different forms. F- famously, fi- Final Fantasy Sephiroth has like different forms and like final forms and st- all of that stuff. And so it was kind of funny that they did the same thing with uh, Spot here, uh, who kind of levels up by, you know, going, finding another collider in a different universe. And, um, yeah, we just really get to see his powers grow. And he is more of a standard um, villain in the way of his motivation, where he just wants revenge. But also, like, he's so interesting and so funny. And yeah, it's just it's very interesting. And I love how, you know, Spot was so interesting that I did think, like, oh, he's been missing from this movie for, like, a long time what what is what is happening and then obviously it is because we get a lot of gwen and miles stuff and we get the spider society things and they're basically just setting up the second antagonist miguel in the meantime and then spot comes back and everything and that was all really well done yeah it's just incredible uh, i had nothing really to add to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I was just curious also about the whole meta levelness of this uh, of the movie with the canon events that we briefly mentioned um that obviously you know in the real world in our universe um has you know obviously with comics such as spider-man there are certain events that come all the time that kind of have to be there but with franchises generally and like remakes and all of these sorts of things so it was a nice meta commentary like what is spider-man do we need to check all of these boxes for someone to be spider-man or spider-woman or spider t-rex or whatever um and i don't know i just found that idea fascinating um as just a nice yeah again commentary uh on on like media in general and stories yeah it's a good question like what is or who is spider-man without uncle ben's death who is Mm spider-man without any of these other things that happen to him does he become very different is he the same like you can extend that to other superheroes or any other storytelling what is the hero's journey without a specific incident right or inciting incident and and how did that change the course of the history and 
I think that the answer for that will probably be revealed in the last film. But putting that question up in this movie was just so interesting to think about from, as you said, a meta level. For sure. And I'm going, I am so curious about the third movie and I'm very happy that it's going to come out next year already. So, uh, Oh, is it next year? I don't even know. Wow. Yeah. 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 It is coming out in like eight months or something like that. Whoa. Okay. I feel like I'm so like on top of the discourse with so many different films, but for some reason with the spider verse stuff, I really, really love them. And I think (laughs) if the third film is just as good as these first two, it probably is the best trilogy of all time for me, but it is just like, I, for some reason, I just don't know what's going on in the back end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just heard that in, a, in another podcast where they talked about uh, this movie. So um, that's all I know. <laughs> that's where I know it from. And yeah, I'm so... Because they basically did both of the these movies at the same time, more or less. Oh, and, uh, that makes yeah. sense. Which also is a much like an even bigger achievement. And um, yeah, I'm so curious what they're going to do with it and if they just keep this going. Because again, it seems almost impossible to reach the level of the first movie and they did it. And so what was the, the third one going to be? I guess we'll see. I guess we'll find out. I, I think, guess we'll see. I think the one thing that I would say is that the high, high, high of the first movie, I think, was still a little higher in my mind. Like when mm-hmm. I close my eyes and think about the first time, like the, the, I forget what the, the music that's playing in the background, but basically the leap of faith kind of scene from the first um, movie. What's my, yeah, it's called like, what's up danger. I think is yeah the, something is the, like that uh, song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That scene, I think alone is the best scene across all both films. Just me. That's just my true. opinion. True, true, and true. yeah. So when you're talking about that level, like where I just rewatch it like 10 times, like a week, <laughs> not every week, but <laughs> I would like to, it is maybe this doesn't reach that high, but because we don't have the concluding arc specifically for miles and that's fine. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the third movie will be incredible. I'm very excited for it. Uh, but overall, I think that this movie is, as you said, just as good, if not surpassed. Uh, It definitely surpassed the first movie in some aspects in a holistic perspective or from a holistic perspective. I'm not sure it was better, but it was just the same, just as good. And for me, one of the best movies, Mm -hmm. if not the best movie I've seen all year. Yeah, for sure. But before we end this discussion, of course, we have to do some top fours. And uh, yeah, we have two prepared. Um, and I think we should probably start with our top four spider people. Yeah, let's do it. What's your number four, Chris? Yeah, it's difficult. It is difficult. Um, of course, I have some uh, honorable mentions. Of course. Uh, only with this one. With the other top four, I, I don't. Um, I just, I loved seeing Peter B. Parker again. Uh, all, and I mean, we we literally see hundreds of spider people, right? And we don't even just see spider people. We also sp- see the aforementioned spider T-Rex. Shout out to spider T-Rex. Uh, or the spider cowboy with his horse who also wears a mask. All of these great things. I really love Jess Drew. Great entrance. But they don't really know what to do with her. So I chose Miguel as my number four because he is just very intriguing. And, you know, I think they call him like a vampire ninja and like just that is like reason enough to put him in my top four but he's just very interesting he is like the darker side of the spider people 
and very intriguing. Are we going to have the same top four? Oh, God damn it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, so he's my number four as well. Um, one of my favorite little details about Miguel O'Hara is the fact that he was never bitten by a spider and that yeah. he has to inject himself consistently with the spider serum or some version of it so that he can retain his spider powers. So it's a really cool little detail there that makes Spider-Man or Miguel O'Hara's Spider-Man really interesting. And I wonder if that's going to come to play because they made a note of displaying that in the show in the movie at at one point mm-hmm. so yeah it just and his power set is a little slightly different which is really interesting and then obviously he's the the you know the prime antagonist i'd imagine in the second yeah. film so i'm very excited to see what yeah, happens with for him. sure yeah for sure my number three is hobie okay cool um <laughs> so you're just relieved that we don't have the same top four yeah um <laughs> yeah i loved him his like being the agent of chaos very like the punk rock uh you know spider-man also you know daniel kaluuya voiced him amazing and i don't know he was just like he was just there of course i'm kind of happy they didn't really go with the like roman subplot and like with the like love triangle with miles gwen and hobie i was like pretty happy that they didn't go too far on that but like i just really enjoyed hobie um like whenever i saw him and his like being like an anarchic personality and which is also like just a little bit of a show of course but you know obviously coming back to help miles in a crucial way so uh yeah i really enjoyed him my favorite thing was Hobie was his relationship with the baby spider. I forget her, the baby spider man yeah. name. I forget her name. Oh, yeah. But True. it's so, so cute. And he was just like, that girl's a born anarchist. <laughs> I'm just like, I love it. Yeah, so, like, I love yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she like poops her diaper and he's like, oh yeah, shitting on the establishment or something of that nature. It's just so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was my favorite part or my favorite sequence specifically with Hobie. And nice. uh, with that, my number three is Pav. Um, he's the Spider-Man of Mumbaiton. Mm. Um, really yeah. cool, really funny. Obviously, like just his ability, his chemistry that he has with uh, Gwen and and Miles as they first arrive into his universe. His mm-hmm. like he's the ultimate happy-go-lucky Spider-Man, who's the opposite of Miguel yeah. in some ways. He kind of <laughs> you know encompasses that idea that Spider-Man is just a kid who's happy and is smart and witty and funny and all these things mm. and i just love his react his interaction with the gayatri his his girlfriend and then also the, mm-hmm. his i think captain singh is is is, is the her father yeah. and that that relationship is just hilarious and very typical spider-man in a way and his his like little monologue about chai tea and and coffee coffee and all these things just oh yeah so that funny was so good yeah and his hair yeah 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 for sure and my favorite joke uh from his little monologue thing is where he says this is where the traffic is and this is where the traffic is and this is where the traffic is <laughs> so funny yeah, yeah just a great to, yeah to living in a metropolis oh my god it's so funny it's true yeah i forgot about him a little bit um nice my number two is gwen i really enjoyed her uh, again like I love her so much and just we go we see so much more of her in this movie which I was really happy about and you know to see her full character arc um was really touching as you you mentioned the interactions with her father so impactful and uh yeah I just think she's super cool uh go Gwen 
Gwen's the best. Like, I really like Gwen. She's my number two as well. Uh, well, I guess she's not the best if she's number two, but <laughs> she is <laughs> the metaphorical best. Uh, yeah, I, yes. I really like her. I like how she, you know, interacts with her friends and her family and like even the whole how the opening where she's really dealing with the difficulties of Spider-Man. And she's obviously the main mm. she goes to the main journey to bring people together and lead her own uh, spider team, I guess, of people. And I really like how she struggles throughout the film with balancing the different mm-hmm. desires of like of Miles Morales, which she feels really close to, as well as uh, this institution to whom, to which she feels responsible. And in the end, her world is just, I think, so gorgeous too. And her relationship with her father is so touching. So Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. you got to give it to her. She's amazing. Yeah, for sure. And just the like themes of, uh, you know, belonging and acceptance and all of that just really resonates with her specifically. And yeah, my number one, obviously, Miles Morales. Yep, same. Uh, I may- <laughs> Not surprising, probably. Um, you know, he's just so much fun. and But we see some, uh, you know, some depth there as well. He's really trying, but he's also just a stereotypical teenager, especially from you know in the eyes of his parents and yeah also just seeing his like his alter ego his like his like um i guess his like evil self if you will um was super interesting as well who then becomes the prowler because his father was killed um and also speaks to you know real life uh dynamics and yeah just like he's just so amazing like visually what he's doing i love i love the running gag with his like with his new outfit how everybody is like making fun of it um and he is very much this like teenager like he just wants to belong to this cool club and everything and wants to be accepted by his peers and tries maybe a little bit too hard sometimes but that's fine and yeah it's miles he's amazing he's the best spider-man <laughs> like in my yeah, mind yeah. like across everything 100%. not in this movie only yeah. in everything and he's absolutely oh, yeah. incredible Easy. so like keep going miles morales just give us a third movie and i'm <laughs> i mean like anoint you as the best superhero ever maybe oh i would already do that <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah uh so last but not least we obviously have our top four moments what's your number four my number four is at the end of the chase with um, uh, Miguel O'Hara and all the Spider-Man when he kind of reveals that he was actually planning the whole thing all along because the whole chase, you're just like thinking to yourself, just go invisible, just go invisible. They won't catch you, just go invisible. And then at the very end, mm-hmm. he kind of like reveals, you know, by telling Miguel how he lured everyone out here and then he just jumps off and it, it kind of mimics yeah. the first episode, the first movie's leap of faith. Um, but he just jumps mm-hmm. and then goes invisible. And I just love that moment that he's like, actually, he's like, nah, I'm gonna do it my way. Basically, I think he says something to that ilk. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, yeah, go. And it's just so cool. A cool moment. And it's yeah. kind of the end of, I think, the best action sequence of the of the movie. Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, and it's great writing as well, how we just all like cheer him on, for sure. Um it's incredible how in like a sea of Spider-Man, you root for one spider He He's the Spider-Man of all the Spider-Man. <laughs> like, it's quite <laughs> impressive how they're yeah. able to do that. The ultimate Spider-Man, for sure. Um, my number four 
is also a Miguel and Miles scene when Miguel tells Miles that he was never supposed to be Spider-Man, that the spider that bit him was actually from a different dimension. And that obviously goes very deep, also on meta on a meta level, but also just like, you know, messes with your identity, of course. And I thought that that was a really interesting scene on all of the levels, basically. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, like, it puts into question everything and ties together or not that, like, we just had no idea that was there. Like, mm-hmm. in the first movie, mm-hmm. obviously, the, the there is a Peter Parker, and then there's a Miles Morales all of a sudden. And you're like, what? Why? How? But you don't even think about it because you just go with it because the first movie is so good. And this really just reveals everything. It re- the best twists in my mind are the the ones that reveal things you didn't even know you wanted to know. And that's incredible. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I guess with that, so my number three is another twist. And it's <laughs> the moment we realize that he's on earth 42. I nice. like going back and forth between Gwen in his, in his real room and him in the other room. And just kind of this slow buildup of like, Oh my God, he's in the wrong place. I think it's like mm-hmm. it wasn't something that was hidden in any way, shape or form. I think it was quite obvious that it was going to happen, especially because, you know, as he goes into the, the, the way back machine or whatever it's called, um, <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he, you know, the, oh, on the screen, God. it says Earth 42. And obviously we see 42 on the spider throughout the whole movie. It's, it's, it's clear that mm-hmm. that's where he is. But just the way that it's revealed to Gwen and Miles, at the same time as it's revealed to the audience, an incredible, um, you know, incredible moment there. And in the theater, I was watching it, and people were audibly gasping at that reveal. So it's something that yeah. just you know resonates with me. Very earned. Um, my number three is uh, your number four. All the spider people chasing Miles, like just the entire sequence is amazing, um, and all of this back and forth, and how he, uh, you know, how he just managed to slip through all of their grasps, and obviously the little jokes in the beginning, like catch Spider Man, he's like coming from like this particular Spider Man, he's coming there and there, and then this other guy shows up, is like it's not me, it's not me, and then we have the callback to the meme with like it's always like three Spider people pointing at each other, which goes back to like an old Spider Man cartoon. And then, yeah, the climax on the like spaceship or whatever it is, um, so great. And that's another anime style callback for me. Like all of this, like mass of people just like running behind like the, these two people, uh, and then obviously the jump, just gorgeous. That pointy meme will never not be funny. It <laughs> lands every time. Yeah, it's so good. My number two scene is the spots culmination, I guess, when he is victorious in Mumbaitan and he has the synchronous vision with Miles and kind of that Mm -hmm. darkness that takes over the screen, his immersion from the ground floating up as like this menacing dark monster, just absolutely incredible. I really love that little moment between the two of them and what that kind of means for everything that comes after it. So as a pivotal like nexus point in the film that's my number two scene nice yeah mine is uh, is the entire like thing leading up to this which is like basically the uh destruction of Mumbaton 
and uh, because I thought like visually it's so gorgeous and what they do and it's so dynamic it's so quick quick paced and just like all it's just and the call yeah the uh like the team work between everyone is like really great on a character level as well but like i'm i'm mostly picking this for its visual impact the thing is with this movie is that it just has both in spades great Mm -hmm. stuff visually and great characters and there are very few things that just have both so well done so it's just incredible i don't know how to like you know (laughs) praise it more than that and i guess without my number one scene is gwen and miles talking upside down um from the empire is it the empire state building one of those buildings i forget new york yeah uh just them two talking reflecting on their lives their place what it means their relationships with their families it's you can see the conflict going in when the conflict in miles at the same time them kind of disconnecting in some way like connecting but also disconnecting in their differences as well is just so beautiful and the fact that it's all upside down is just like a little tiny detail that makes things uh, really really interesting so that's my number one just like a moment that i'll remember from this movie forever yeah it was such again visually so striking and uh yeah i remember it was so so great and impactful and for me honestly almost visually so like so special that i almost forgot what uh, what they are actually talking about but you're right they're bonding so much about you know struggles that they both have um my number one is a scene you have uh, talked about earlier, which is uh, Gwen and her father reuniting and also how that is portrayed visually. And I just think it's, there are many, all of the different scenes we've talked about today were visual spectacles. This is very boiled down. It's very simple, but it's all the more powerful. And just the emotional impact was very real. Yeah, I mean, it is the culmination of her arc and her journey in this movie. And this movie is Gwen's movie, clearly. And I think that it's so touching to see their relationship come full circle and them being close again. And then also realizing that actually you can change the course of history or the course of canon events, just not in the way you expect. And just the fact that her father resigns from police captain and that effectively saves his life is just a really Mm -hmm. great way to undercut the expectation of canon events and the things that quote unquote must happen and it's a great motivation for her turn towards miles and away from uh miguel o'hara and his band of merry men i'm just throwing in random references from just random stuff all over the place (laughs) (laughs) right yeah it, it is uh it is just a spectacular movie i should probably see it again and again and again I would recommend seeing it once more in theaters uh, just because you never know when yeah. you're going to get the chance to see it in theaters again. And then obviously, as, as Chris does, buy the DVD or buy the digital copy of the film and just go for it. <laughs> yep. Apparently, Absolutely. there are two cuts of the movie that are both circulating in cinemas right now. And there are very there are little differences between the two, apparently. Huh. Um, I've been reading up on this. There, the differences are so minuscule; they're little tiny, like throwaway sequences here and there. But it's mm. just a really funny little detail that there is like two of them going out, out and about in the world. Very interesting. 
All right, then. I guess we'll just cut there. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, thank you, Chris, for joining me on this conversation of such an amazing film. And I guess with that, for Chris, I'm Rashad, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.